Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for October 10th, 2022. Featuring poet Kyle Leung leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic as our featured reader. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at our new space in Brooklyn Heights at 144 Montague Street and livestream via Zoom. For more information about the Yop and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Kiara DeLalo, Tierra, Seth Leeper, Lily Perry, Emerald Rose Anastasia, Sarah Lynn Rogers, Hunter Hodkinson, Michael Cohen, Jess Gagne, Kimberly Marrero, Nico Bryan, Ashley Frankel, Taylor Molly, Ella Jackson, Alyssa Milan, Arthur Russell, Elia Osmanova, Stella Lee, Julie Hoffman, and last but not least, Parrish Finn. So, without further delay, let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for October. Enjoy. Welcome back, all of you who are still talking. I'm just going to keep talking over you until you stop talking. I appreciate you stopping quietly. (laughs) Uh, We are now recording live uh, for the podcast that we record at every Yop called the Yopcast. You can certainly subscribe to it if you have not subscribed yet and rate us five stars that'd be great i think we were at like 38 five-star reviews before the pandemic and i'm pretty sure we're still at 38 five-star reviews (laughs) time has stood still with uh let's give Tarika a round of applause who has to take off she's been doing great service what what is with this quiet applause (laughs) let's give her a real round of applause she's got to catch her train back to jersey uh yeah not sure why she's still standing there. I think she's just wrapping herself. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Tarnica. Uh Yes, we record the podcast as a Yopcast. You may not have known that. If you don't want to be in the recording, you don't have to be. But if you do read tonight and you don't want to be on the recording, please uh, talk to me afterwards or email me and we can take you off. Otherwise, uh, your work will be broadcast to all of our followers and uh, you'll become very famous. Uh, we usually publish the, uh, I don't know why everyone laughed at that. Because uh, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you only have 38 five-star reviews. How famous could I be? Well, lots of people listen to it. They just don't rate us five stars. They just don't rate us at all because they're lazy. But you can rate us five stars and help more listeners find the Yopcast. Uh, we usually publish that a couple of weeks after the Yop. Uh, another thing that we do, as some of you may know, is every month we vote for Poem of the Month. Uh, and the, the 12 winners of Yacht Poem of the Month over the previous year uh, compete for Poem of the Year honors, and that will be at our awards gala, which will in fact be in person in this very place. You may have been wondering when that's going to happen. Uh, and I have to double check the date, but it's, it's a Sunday. I'm pretty sure it's December 11th. Can someone just check their eye calendar, see if December 11th is a Sunday? Because that will be the date of our awards gala. I'm looking at these people in the front. Yes, <laughs> very good. Uh, so December 11th will be the date of our awards gala, and that is uh, when the winner of the Yacht Poem of the Year will be feted. But uh, that was the wrong date to give you because the Yacht Poem of the Year con- ton- contest will be the weekend before that. 
Uh, so just pretty much sort of half remember everything I'm saying. <laughs> yes, but it'll be on a Saturday. So I think December 3rd is when the contest will be. Um, and then the awards gala will be December 11th. Anyway, you'll get all these announcements if you just follow us on social media, so you should do that now if you're not doing it already. But uh, we have named 10 of the winners so far because it starts December of last year. We have only two more winners to select. Tonight's winner, it's October, right? Yes. And November's the up winner. Uh, and there are 10 finalists already. Uh, they're all women, no men. We'll see if we can keep that going. And uh, the way to vote for Poem of the Month is to wait until the end of the night, but I'm going to give you the number to vote. This is the Broken Poets number. You're just going to text us the poet that you would like to vote for. The number is, are you ready? 718-374-1953. Once again, that is 718-374-1953. That is the Broken Poets phone number, so if you don't remember, just go to our website. <laughs> probably find it, or just Google us, you'll see the number there. Um, so the, again, the 12 finalists for Poem of the, the 12 winners of Poem of the Month will compete for Poem of the Year honors. There's a cash prize. If you win Poem of the Month, you get one of those beautiful Brooklyn Poets tote bags. You get a ticket to the awards gala, uh, which are not cheap, and you will get food and many drinks and many fans, uh, I'm sure, adoring you as you come into the gala. Nobody, nobody laughed at that because no... <laughs> Apparently, nobody expects that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you get something else, too. I can't remember what it is. Um, but uh, you don't get a membership. That sounds good, though. <laughs> but you don't get one. Uh, by the way, there are Yop onesies that we made. Does anyone have a baby in here besides me? Not a single person in this fucking room has a baby besides me. <laughs> Look at how cute that onesie is that Taylor Molly is holding up. Yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see my baby wearing it. <laughs> anyway, if you've got a baby on the way, <laughs> or if you know someone with a baby, you should buy one of those. If you plan to have one. Yeah, exactly, or if you plan to have one. The Brooklyn Book Festival is canceled, so we, we, we could, yeah, or, you know, you can make a baby tonight, <laughs> you, know? you know? Let's give everyone a homework task. Okay, these announcements have gone way too far. I've, I've gathered... But again, uh, we record this as a podcast as one of the announcements. The second announcements, we vote for Poem of the Month, number 718-374-1953. I'll review all of the readers at the end of the night. And the last announcement, if you are reading tonight, you get one poem of three minutes max. Please keep to your time because we are trying to get to at least a couple of people on the wait list. Uh, there's at least one reader who is supposed to read that is not reading tonight. So there's definitely at least one waitlist reader who will be reading tonight. But before we get to the open mic proper, let's give it up for Kyle Young, who is going to kick us off tonight. Thank you, everybody. Um, when I'm not uh, here or being Jason's doppelganger, I work at a hospital. Uh, I do internal medicine. I'm a PA. And I work the night shift, so I spend a lot of time thinking about sleep. And um, I'm also like... If you ever see me during the daytime, I probably look like I'm jet-lagged because I kind of feel jet-lagged like seven days a week. And um, I get, I get like, very like, lucid at night. And so I, write, I do a lot of my poetry writing and editing like in the middle of the night. So um, you'll notice that I'm going to read three short poems. And um, a lot of them have to do with like night and sleep. Um, but they also, uh, at the center of them, have to do with love. And... Um, and I just got married, so 
love is very much on my mind. A poet of mine recently reminded me that, um, that you know, like, like, I don't know. Like, I always felt like I had to read and write poems about being Asian in order to be recognized. And I was like, and you, and you, and you do, you do. But I'm also Asian, so all my poems are Asian. And like, everything I write, like, at the center of it is being Asian. And I, growing up, didn't have many examples of romantic love in front of me. And so I feel like it's my turn to create examples of romantic love. And so, um, but this one, first one's about friendship love, so. <laughs> After this is about romantic love and about my wife. <laughs> um, so this first poem is titled uh, 395 South for Voss. You reassured me not all things in the bed of a truck fly out on the highway if they're heavy enough. So neither would we. We would lay on our backs, watching the black sky move slowly over us like a planetarium, grinning and laughing each time we hit a bump in the asphalt and shout to the driver, hey, watch it, as if we didn't volunteer to be back there, allowing the wind to whip against every inch of our bodies like it would rip rather than peel the clothes off our skin, and we smiled because we couldn't not and we turned our heads to look at one another in disbelief at how beautiful the night could be, knowing in another year or 10, we wouldn't dare try this again, but for tonight, we can afford the risk. These next poems are for my wife, Morgan. Patience. Patience is learned after it's broken. You could say the same thing about love. I love the way our toes touch under the covers even when we go to bed mad. Our bodies eventually curling together like leaves in winter. I love when we say goodbye. Not because we're saying goodbye, but because our foreheads collapse like two logs over an open fire, warm embers. <laughs> and this last poem is titled Twilight. Twilight. After returning from work in the morning, I remove my scrubs, leaving them in a bag by the door. I rinse off in the shower and slowly ease into bed on my side. You crawl up from behind and lovingly cling to my body like a heavy wool coat whose weight rests perfectly against the backs of my shoulders. This is how I fall asleep each day with you, my twilight. You scattering into me. You, my soft, warm glow. Thank you. Cute. I can't, <laughs> can't take it. Ah, uh, I love these two. Yeah, I think you guys should get a yop onesie tonight. I feel like <laughs> I need some baby making tonight after that reading. We'll see. <laughs> oh man. Uh, great start. Thank you. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. Uh, our first reader on the open mic list is one of my neighbors and one of my new neighbors in Beacon who took the train up with me tonight. And she was like, you know what? If you, she was like coming with her friends, she was like, if you gotta if you gotta work on the train, you don't even have to talk to us. And she's like, and I totally appreciated it because I did have to work. Uh, but give it up for Kiara Delalo. everybody. How's it going? Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, so I've got a poem for you that has a little bit of background to set up. Can you all just shout out your favorite Disney villains from like the 90s? You know the golden age of Disney? Who do we got? Gaston, I heard. Ursula. Did not take long. Hades. Very, very entertaining. So this is a poem that I think comes from a place of like needing to reimagine Ursula a little bit. So, um, so this is a poem that is, you know, if you take your Little Mermaid template and add on some New York City, um, this is a poem called Sea Witch, Coney Island. She could have said no, not coy. I know what I'm about. She could have thrown the nib of fishbone back to stick in my craw. It's all revocable while in negotiation. Can't help it if the limpet took my terms. Speak up, girl, be vocal, knocking down my carnival door to get her carnal delights. Stunned by the lights, the clangor, and above us the dock strewn with cracked clams, brighten bait, and purple-brown guts delicious. But it unnerves, I'm sure, when your daddy's precious spawn. After the split, her fresh-hewn stilts will pick their way down that slimy length to boardwalk slats, beer-blessed sands, and a maelstrom of smells. One street down, shuffling, wide-eyed, she'll leave a salty trail past my painted sign. The Octa-woman, witch from the deep, Half lady, half squid, come see the tentacled hag. Until its MTA brights, not freak show flash, dripping cold through her hair to goose-fleshed skin. Her three days begin at the end of the line. Take any train, I told her. He'll find you wherever you wash up in Midtown's foaming shoals. She could have refused. Wisps like her have left with something different than they bargained for. Altogether wetter, better. There's more than one way to get them in my tentacles, to tempt a one tail off the brighter path and into my trenches. She will have what she's after, sure as ink and bone, but she is not alone in that. There's plenty left for me and mine. Thank you. All right, thank you, Kiara. My wife is a huge Disney fan, and when you ask that question, I am not, so I, was, I, had, I had no answer for you. <laughs> I was like, Disney villains in the 90s, and I grew up in the 90s. So uh, anyway, I'm terrible at Disney, but that's fine. Our next reader uh, is uh, so famous, you should all know they have one name here, and uh, you're going to give them a big round of applause because that one name is probably enough. Give it up for Tierra.
Good evening, everyone. So a little history about me. Right now, this is a rite of passage for me more than anybody could ever understand. This is absolutely my first time reading anything out loud to anyone. <laughs> OK. And um, this comes from basically my journal. I kind of go on a zone and certain things rhyme. So, all right. <laughs> okay, all right. This is called Confetti. I titled it Confetti after I wrote it, of course. But, um, all right. My emotions tossed up all up in the air like confetti with no landing place. The winter freeze blew them everywhere, nowhere to be in particular, as I helplessly stood there, shivering with a tense stare. This is dedicated to my vulnerability, like right now. <sighs> no hat, no gloves, and no scarf for so long that I couldn't feel my care. No cares, no concerns for my confetti flying everywhere. All I could do was stare. The veins of my heart ran all through those tiny little squares, exposed. I was looking at my insides out. In the storm drought of hugs, no left hand for my glove, left on the shelf, gleaming empty mugs. I just stood still. At least the warmth of the frost would kiss my face. This kind of standalones a loner when she's been amazing grace. And when her coat can't cover her throat, her words begin to fade away, like home-cooked curry goat on the plate of the mountain man who stood alone to make a stand, just to find that his heart is bland, like my lips in his clip, staring intensely, waiting for my confetti to land. Round of applause for Tierra. Not only her Yop debut, but her uh, Everywhere debut. That was amazing. Uh, the warmth of the frost. You kiss me? Is that what it was? The warmth of the frost. That's going to stick with me. Uh, thank you, Tierra. Our next reader tonight is no stranger to Yop regulars. Give it up for Seth Leeper. All right, thank you so much. Um, so real quick, this started actually outside these doors like two Fridays ago. Oh, I'm out of breath already. Um, <laughs> okay, that's not a good sign. Anyways, sorry. <sighs> Push through. So um, yeah, there was an angry driver I was getting out of my Uber, long story. Yeah, so, uh, and, and it started, its genesis was in the happy hour workshop that Jason does every Friday. Um, and, Trigger warning, there's some F-bombs for um, like gay men. Fascism is mentioned. I'm a gay man, so I can say it. Um, <laughs> good, the crowd didn't turn on the diva. Um, and then the other thing is, so it's a triple sonnet, so you know, love and credit to Dorothy Chan, who as far as I know, like invented the form? Or she definitely owns it, so I own no rights to it. 
All right, so here we go. Triple sonnet on the violence of thin-dicked men. What was he saying? Whispering sweet nothings in the language of fuck you through the driver's side window, licking the glass in the shape of the finger aimed in his direction from across the street, a practicum of fellatio on an invisible phallus no less capable of choking him out. What did he think would happen when the body hit the ground? Ears deafened by the onslaught of sound and metal. Was that the impact of his diatribe to the safety of the door? Willing someone to do his dirty work, but lacking the girth of cock to step out in the street and render justice by his own definition? These men are all alike. The gravel of their bark mismatched to the vacancy inside their pants. They're all crow, no rooster, all bluster, no bass, all spur, no heel, all hip, no rhythm. I bet he was waiting for someone to come along, alone at the wheel, ready to pounce at the first sign of prey. But predators don't know how to be prey. The baby chick has practiced in dodging the eagle's pointed beak. The field mouse has perfected the art of an instant house in the weeds to shelter from the prowling feline. The queer has leveled up in sustaining blows to their brow. They're conscious, yet the fascist can't withstand assaults to his conscience. His sanity challenged, his humanity questioned. This bile from the bottom of the barrel can't withstand the light. So it flees back to the swamp where men like him are bred for a dime. Their daddies drooling over the latest pittance from a leader who would sooner step over them in the street then spit on them to quench their thirst for more QAnon theories and lazy backwoods intellectualism masquerading as a party platform, buying gavels who equate a Bible with a gun, holy grace with an orphanage of children, perching AR-15s on their shoulders before they've even learned to discern between a noun and a verb, verbing their little feet to pews where they will bend their knees, fold their hands at the altar of a false prophet who will promise they won't be replaced, growing up to don tiki torches down Madison to demonstrate the fragility of their own ideologies, ideologies dyed in the wolves of supremacy and xenophobia, thinking they can shoot their way to a world resembling Gilead rather than initiating the power of their own minds to construct ways for making conditions better for everyone. So instead of investing money into infrastructure and literacy, they light more candles, burn more incense in their holsters, conjure more bile from the banks of the bayou out back, churning out more clay pigeons to fodder their cannons, change the bandages on the red, gaping abscesses between their legs where the bullet made impact when they misfired at the faggot in the street that was zigzag voguing the house down boots. Thank you. Oh, damn, man. That started in my drop-in class. <laughs> and I don't know what that, that just became like. Uh, I don't know what that. I don't know what happened to that. That just became like I want to say like a machine gun, but that sounds like a terrible metaphor. It just be, it was like an incredible acceleration that happened with that poem. And uh, I guess you can thank that fucking asshole. <laughs> I mean, you got something good out of it, um, which is what we want in life. Uh, I was coming through Grand Central today, and I was like walking off the train, and uh, you know when you're like veering. Was like into somebody's path, and they're bringing to her. And like this, this old woman just like kicked me. <laughs> I mean, I think she tried to make it seem incidental, but it was pretty clear she like kicked my foot. And uh, I was like, wow. <laughs> anyway, that happened, but I'm not going to get that kind of poem out of it. So that's that's the regret. Our next reader tonight is Lily Perry. Give it up for Lily.
Thank you for having me. My name is Lily. And this is a poem about seventh grade. One. It was the year we got detention for making eye contact so often. <laughs> Mrs. D couldn't stand it. The way she'd speak one word and our eyes would flit up from our desks at the same exact time, we couldn't help it. Every ordinary thing sent us tumbling through a portal into our shared world, something in the bar graph, the word problem, or the squeak of a chair made it impossible to resist acknowledging our private mythology we were best friends, meaning the whole of the cosmos was our inside joke. So Mrs. D said we couldn't look at each other anymore. <laughs> we added our minds to the list of body parts that others found distracting. There were so many silent things we were punished for. After school, you showed me how to make a voodoo doll in our teacher's image. She was right to be scared. <laughs> of the invisible girl thoughts swirling palpably through the ether. Two. It was the year all the girls carried purses to and from the bathroom. Yours was an elegant polka dot in black and white, mine, a dreamy green sequined number from Claire's. The idea was to fill it with pads and tampons. The, an extra pair of underwear, the idea was to be ready, to be subtle, to create an air of mystery among our co-ed peers. In my book about puberty, we marked our perceived breast growth across the page with a number two pencil, like a family tracks height on a door jam. We took off our clothes and compared ourselves to the illustrations we'd say. You look like this one as we did math in the margins. Breast buds plus two years meant our periods should be coming. You changed first, as you always had, by a season. You left school early that day, and when I called you, you were crying. It scared me. The way getting older hadn't felt like we'd imagined. Three. It was the year your parents accused me of exposing you to atheism. We went to the computer lab and Googled meaning of life. We Googled what is humanism. I refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, but God, I loved sitting next to you in homeroom. You draw on my skin with pen while we sorted out the world into things we believed in and things we didn't. We each wanted to be a good person. It was an election year. Mackenzie R. started a rumor that my parents believed in killing babies, so my parents said her parents must believe in killing innocent civilians, and we agreed that my crush looked like the painting of Franklin Pierce hanging on the U.S. president's wall of our social studies classroom, not to be dramatic, but I would have died for you at every age I've been since we met. I would have gone anywhere with you, hell even, you believed in that. I believed in you, so I wasn't really worried about the rest of it. Yeah, did you say that just happened? Yeah. Damn, motherfucker. Yeah. Did you write that in this? It seems like you wrote that in that workshop. 
fuck me. <laughs> I mean, you had me at the title with like the seventh grade. The seventh grade was like my least favorite year ever, but definitely the most poetic <laughs> for that reason. Damn, I want to be loved like that, whoever that was for. Um, shit, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> As if that didn't just happen. Uh, what was that line? All the silent things were punished for? Is that what it was? Fuck me. Okay. <laughs> Our next reader tonight, I think this is the, at least the second time we've heard from them. Give it up for Emerald Rose Anastasia. Hi, can y'all hear me? Um, Hello, Uh, my name is Emerald Rose Anastasia. I'm non-binary and use they, them pronouns. Um, This poem I'm going to read tonight is titled Raphael. 2007. A fourth grader skipped school, marinated in a diarrhea-covered diaper next to a vomit-filled fruit bowl. Sick body. My mother provided worn alabaster bed sheets to cover them on the cotton sofa while sick body watched The Price is Right. Sick body heard St. Raphael's hymn. The color orchid astonished the television screen. A seraphim frequency tested sick body's will to survive a rare autoimmune disease. Henoch Scholin purpura, the prologue to my type 1 diabetes. Lent brought forth angels of spring clothed in English lavender and crowned with sapphire tiaras. Sacred heart exvados and bridal white candles floated one by one, garlanding sick body's feverish neck. The angels bestowed a ticklish ticklish sensation. Warm vomit sourly erupted from sick body's throat. My bedridden body in starvation, forlorn, became preparation for Easter Sunday, Raphael's salvific shower. My fourth grade teacher, babysitter, and classmates came over to say goodbyes and pray for sick body. Isolation. Sick body wept a March rain. My mother's friend brought dinner for their sibling, mother, and father. Daydreaming about the upcoming Pokemon Diamond and Pearl games on the toilet, sick body urinated and slouched onto the floor unconscious, legs molten in blood and shit. My father's screams flooded the house neon white. Sirens blared. An ambulance rushed through downtown Bakersfield. The hospital workers, mother, and sick body in a confessional booth. Penance. The sodium lights deftly oozed parallel dimension portals. Vaporized sin. Sick body faded in and out of consciousness, earth and heaven to my mother's crying. Nurses rushed the plum-skinned pilgrim out the vehicle and through enclosing hallways. Artificial nutrition and hydration pumped sick body's left arm steady, a falsetto melody. The ceiling and floor merged with night, teary and purple swirled in splendor to an archangel who synchronized the ivory light, convalesced Henoch Scholin's demonic fervor. Liberation theology and disabled pedagogy revalorize Raphael's seraphim teachings. Their staff and fish gall materializes sick body into being. Sick body compromised antibody cells, metamorphized Raphael. The Easter white violets choir from the dead. Raphael levitated my sick body from the hospital bed. Right, thank you. 
That was Emerald Rose Anastasia. Yes, I had you pronounce that. Okay, fantastic stuff. Great to have you back. Uh, we saw you last month, yeah? Yeah, I remember. Okay, uh, we are on to our next reader, who uh, is an old friend of ours, but you might not have recognized her because now she has short hair. Give it up for Sarah Lynn Rogers. <laughs> that Hobart published a couple weeks ago. (laughs) It's called, I could signal dominance in email correspondence as trained, but the concept is offensive and I'm baby. (laughs) To retain your power, drop the I, said somebody dead, whose wife probably typed his manuscripts. She might have been a tree, a shooting star, otherworldly spirit in a house dress, maybe was. We'll never know. Nobody took dictation for her shit. So weary of the phrase, the industry. (laughs) I, 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 the angel speaks herself in a gay fantasia on national themes. Her light dimmed that it might be visible to lesser eyes. Don't tell me not to be an I. Be what? somehow imposing conduit for info passed direct to consumer? I, 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 I am not. There's only one I in Sin Eater, and only one wrong way to eat a Reese's. Not safe for work. Slogan, eyeless dialect of business. The boys club learns withholding, their eyes, much information, between power stances at some seminar. With each dropped eye, the glass coffin ascends, unburdened of a viewpoint. Sacred invocations for the ages. Okay, confirm receipt, under review, not at this time. Thank you. All right, thank you, Sarah. Did you say there's only ro- one wrong way to eat a Reese's? Is that what that one? Yeah. I'm trying to think of what, <laughs> what that would be. What is, the wrong, what is the wrong way to eat a Reese's? It's going to fuck me up. Now I can't buy a Reese's anymore. Okay, that's fine. Our next reader, I think, is a newcomer. Hopefully I get this last name spelling right. Is it Hunter Hodkinson? All right, give it up for Hunter Hopkinson. Hi, thanks for having me. It's my first Yelp, so. This poem is called Jasmine. Jasmine, where are you? Another holy bead on my necklace of reflection. Beautiful how constant pressure spits out a pearl. I wonder where the shallow streams of poverty took you, Jasmine. You lived around the corner down a driveway of broken glass. The neighborhood, 
the neighborhood slept to the lullabies of your parents' drunken country music loud enough to drown out constant coal trains passing. <laughs> I awoke to swirling red-blue lights outside my window, thinking aliens had finally arrived. But the next morning, tormented tire tracks proved the only abductee was your innocence. Jasmine, you'd flock like a buzzard to my front porch, knocking on the door until my mom answered, popsicle lady, hounded relentlessly, summer after summer, for Siamese corn syrup treasures that left red, blue, and green stains down your chin and elbow. Lime was your favorite. You'd savor it a bit more. Green never vanished into your starved bones. You were so skinny, Jasmine. I swear I heard heart music sing when the wind blew past you a certain way. Jasmine, where are you? Like all kindergarten memories, you are a silhouette, chalk outline filled with pieces of bruised fruit, bare feet, and mosquito bites. If I focus hard enough, I can almost make out your dirty face, smile, and blonde hair the color of heaven. Okay, I feel like you, your workshop channeled a bunch of poems about younger selves tonight. That was uh, another remarkable one. Uh, what was that bruised fruit, bare feet, and mosquito bites? Fuck me. <laughs> Seriously. Great line. Okay. Uh, we're getting close to about halfway through. Uh, excited to invite the next reader up. You heard from him uh, when we shared poems tonight. Give it up for Michael Cohen. Thank you, thank you so much. Thought. She had hoped a way was clear but wrecked. She crawled back to a pristine provincial hell next to her childhood. He lived only for the future, and the present was a prison. Now his lungs are dying, and the future he put everything aside for is bent over laughing. That bastard future. They've never met and never will. They share nothing in this world except a place and time in my thoughts on a late night train with 10 others. I've created this small crowd. What is the physicality of a thought? Do they meander across the universe? Fragile, beautiful, and shy, like a laugh I once saw, nervous and slight and strong enough to topple an empire. And the hope of our species lies within. One day the physical scientists will acknowledge life as a force, joining gravity, electromagnetism, quantized charge, and dark energy in this infinite thing. And the forces between lives, love, sex, hunger, protecting our young and the entire mess of it all, will be accepted as well. I like to hold as many thoughts in my hands as possible and then let them go like the summer fireflies of my childhood. And yes, you can capture them and crush them, and the light will remain for some seconds. Please remember how much energy is contained in matter and how the project named after the center borough of my beloved city 
was a pinnacle of our species' ingenuity. And we released energy at the level of an inconceivable formula, and E equals mc squared is no cliche. And all that energy is in every thought. And yes, as Oppenheimer mused, quoting Shiva, as he watched the mushroom cloud emerge, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. And we have all become death, and it's only now that I've declared a truce with one condition, that it's my death, and only mine, and any other is off limits and taboo, except perhaps the enemies of everything I have just tried to say and think. Because there are imperatives, and just like the speed of light for the forces that connect the members of our strange species, there are constants. And I cannot bring death on another, nor force unwanted sex, nor own them or be owned, even by mutual choice. And the thoughts, which of course are things, however short their lifespan, their dissipation, the decay, dissolve into the universe like sugar in my tea. And what I feel every day and night is the great and increasing concentration of thoughts in the universe, because there have been so many, so many of us. And we die, <coughs> excuse me, we die long, long before the thoughts evaporate into the beautiful cosmos, to be joined by the cornucopia of feelings that every living being gives to this world that we live in and dream in and of which we know absolutely nothing. Love, please love and stand strong against the enemy. And the products of our hearts and minds will intermingle and move quickly and at an accelerated pace we cannot yet measure into the starry, starry, terrifying, and welcoming sky. I love you. Michael, I need that, I need that sheet back. <laughs> you have the open mic, sign up. <laughs> That's fine. Thank you. Uh, oh, the, the fireflies, the trap and the fireflies. It's this child, you really channeled something tonight, Kyle. I used to trap fireflies too, and caterpillars too. And then they would escape in my house. <laughs> and my mom would freak out. And uh, apparently I'm passing notes between me and Jess Gagne, <laughs> which is also like a childhood theme. Uh, I don't. I don't see, this is just to address you personally, Jay. you're not on the wait list either. Oh, you know what, holy shit, I skipped you. It's a good thing you passed me that note. <laughs> so we're gonna hear from you now, holy fuck. That never happens. So if I happen to skip you and you're signed up tonight, please pass me a note, just pass a note to Matthew. Our next reader is Jess Gagne, give it up for Jess. only because I wrote I wrote the poem today and I, I like it so I wanted to read it <laughs> normally I'm like please skip me um, uh, it's called contentment ceremony which if you don't know what that is you should look it up uh, especially if you are a dog owner and your dog does a thing after they eat their food that like it's like celebrating them and that they like their food I learned this phrase um, I'm not a dog, but it's kind of what it's about. <laughs> I love the park in all seasons and walking to buy myself flowers at dusk, craving my own perfect crown shyness, the almost just tension 
a game of touch and never touch. But I want to put my own naked body against someone else's naked body and feel glad while some leaves are left half alive on the trees. It's only human to rejoice at various stages of decay, and I want the denouement, the cold air, the low clouds. All this time, I've worn a veil cut from the cloth of my desire to not move on. When it thins, just enough to cross over, I will part the problem like a curtain, forgetting there was ever anything in the way. Until then, give yourself permission to be glad at death this October instead, because no energy is created where none has first been destroyed. Give yourself a fancy brunch and a Sunday matinee. Give yourself a candlelit dinner. Give yourself a change of seasons. Give yourself flowers and a walk in the park at dusk instead. Yeah. All right, thank you. I'm glad you passed me that note so we could hear that beautiful poem. I'm just going to make sure I didn't fucking pass anyone else. Jesus. I'm getting old, man. Someone's going to have to replace me soon. <laughs> we'll see. Our next reader tonight is Kimberly Marrero. Give it up for Kimberly. There's been a lot of talk about fireflies. Hmm. Okay. So this one is inspired by a summer night uh, in Brooklyn Bridge Park. Dance of the Firefly. The late, the late day chill set in me a tremble, but curious was I as I watched them assemble. Their graceful designs like synchronized swimmers sketching air patterns aglow as the evening grew dimmer. Sitting quiet and still, they bathed me in light as their sparks traced their path in the black of the night. Like tiny paper lanterns that swayed in the breeze or a flicker of starlight that peeked through the trees. They glistened and twinkled at the tip of my lashes as I squinted my eyes in quick little flashes. When I widened my eyes, they were gone from my sight their ballet swiftly ended and its dancers took flight. Wow. All right, thank you. More fireflies. I love it. Uh, yeah, I like that you bowed too. That was great. Uh, why don't the other poets bow? What the? <laughs> What's up with that? Uh, is Serendria here? Didn't think so. Okay, let's look. the waitlist is looking even better for some people. Uh, our next reader is Nico Bryan. Give it up for Nico. Thank you. Love the applause. It's so sweet. I'm Nico. Um, I still haven't really figured out what I'm going to read. Uh, do you guys want to hear a poem about Craigslist, or do you want to hear a poem about my friend's pussy? Okay. That one was a really loud, resounding 
Strong choice by the crowd, thank you. Um, so for those of you that are not women or identifying as women, there's this thing we do sometimes where we like, we just know what our friend's vagina looks like. I don't, I don't know. Um, and like, I remember the first time my friend Emily showed me her pussy. Um, we had a whole conversation about it. It was actually quite lovely. And I, I wrote an ode to it when I was riding the train back home afterwards. And I wrote it like a fever dream, really, <laughs> about her pussy. This is called Ode to Emily's Pussy. Oh, Emily, this is an ode to your perfectly fleshy pussy. All the lips and none of the clit, fuzzy peach of a pussy, not quite hairless kitty cat, oh, how she purrs. Hair like a kiwi, one might call her lippy, or as your lover affectionately calls her, little butt on the front. Oh, beautiful Emily with your beautiful Emily cunt. Meaty, plump, vertical slit, just right for a kiss. Dubbed, most perfect vagina I've ever seen, and gosh, isn't it funny what pussy does to honest men? The way pussy brings an honest man to his knees, buckling over for the sweet, pungent scent of a Persian rug. The way pussy reminds you what fingers really feel like. The way an honest man can lose his fingers in a moment of sweet surrender. The way an honest man can lose the whites of his eyes to the back of his head. The way a pussy makes men honest. The way a pussy makes men honestly. Thank you. That just happened too. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know what to, I don't know what to say. That was one of the most original poems I've ever heard at the Yop. God damn. Wow. It really made me think about <laughs> a lot of things. But uh, I love that choice too. I really want to fucking hear that Craigslist poem now too. <laughs> so I uh, should email that to me. That was an amazing choice to be presented, right? I was like, I definitely want to hear the Craigslist poem. And then the second choice came. I was like, fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, our next reader is Ashley Frankel. Give it up for Ashley. Oh, good. A mic that is my height. We love that. Um, hello. You can call me Ash because we're friends now. Um, I should speak louder, right? Okay. So I was to also torn between two poems. I'm not giving you a choice. I made my choice. Uh, because it's Halloween, the whole month. And this poem is called A Non-Consensual Haunting. I'm grasping at the edges of a meandering dream, but I think I have to let go for my sanity so I can start my day tethered to this world material. We danced in my dream. You behind me the whole time. I saw your feet moving next to mine, but I don't remember the shoes we wore. Later, barefoot, alone, I put on the pair of boxer briefs I stole, kept from you with a hole at the seam where my hairs bristle. I procrastinate patching and instead 
paint my apartment. It's humid outside. I dodge droplets of frozen rain to smoke a cigarette on my fire escape. The glass of tepid water beside me, a reminder of the daily rituals I shirk, rhythm after rhythm, anathema tune. I woke up dreaming that my hair was long, a remnant of a childhood dream where I longed for hair that would brush the tops of my thighs, suffering that I named as longing, mistaken for yearning. The sound of tires on wet pavement and wailing of courtyard kittens make my body feel more mountain and valley than flesh, an orchestral mingling. In my dream, I tried to write one note and then another, ink smudging before it dried, letters moving in all directions, the way you kissed my cheek, a warm impression, lingering deja vu desire, a flame on my skin, carnal understanding, under the skin sense-making. The only synonym I can unearth from dream is nightmare, but what? Can I call the in-between where memory meets fantasy, where loamy soil is ladled onto the teak coffin of my bed, where so many of my dreams devolve into labyrinths, doors that lead to elusive some places, doors that I can't seem to stop myself from going through, doors that I feel obliged to open, tombstones with rough handles and smooth epitaphs. Am I in your dreams too, or is only one of us a ghost? to do with myself anymore that was amazing uh did you say anathema tune is that what you said where did you go there you are anathema tune what does that even mean it's fucking amazing and, and, <laughs> and courtyard kittens anyway uh i'm gonna remember those phrases uh great job ashley frank is that your first time here yeah all right, give another round of applause for Ashley Frankel. That was awesome. Our next poet is the creator of Metaphor Dice. <laughs> as well as a longtime poet and teacher. Where is he? I don't even see him. Oh, he's right there. Give it up for Taylor Molly. This is called, uh, I haven't figured out what I want to title this poem, <laughs> or Anathema Tune, <laughs> or Jason Koo doesn't know what to fucking do with himself, an honest man, I, 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 waiting for my confetti to land, or trapping fireflies? Or how famous can I be with only 38 five-star reviews? <laughs> or imitation is the highest form of plagiarism? <laughs> Welcome to Brooklyn Poets, where the AC can't keep up with the fever. Trigger warning, there are F-bombs. Oh good. The crowd didn't turn on the diva. I'm not so much a poet as I am a collector of odds and ends, and tonight I feel as though I am among friends, 
So what I write and what I say depends on what I hear during the day and the night. For instance, I might say or write words I've overheard tonight. I cannot be the only one who finds it incredibly exciting to stand in a room of this many people, all of us silently writing. And this should make you smile, Kyle. The bartender pouring drinks in the back room, she wrote a poem too. P.S. You don't look anything like Jason Koo, <laughs> nor Nancy Drew, nor my 17-year-old self. It's true. See, I observe and I feel and I borrow and I steal. I grab and I snatch and I mix and match. Brooklyn Poets is my new church. This lectern is my steeple. And all of you reading or listening tonight, you are my people. We write for the people to whom we belong. We write for our 17-year-old selves. We sing the song of our lives, be they beautiful or merely true. We do the things only poets can do. We want to confess things with poetry, and sometimes it feels like we've got to. We got to remind our younger self of all the things we have to do and also what they should not do. That's poetry too. That's poetry more. That's what poetry's for. And we do it with rhyme and metaphor. And speaking of metaphor, yeah, I made some dice. <laughs> and they're nice and helpful to write through your wisdom and your sorrow. And yeah, I'm teaching a drop-in workshop tomorrow. <laughs> Enough said, in 200 years, we will all be dead. You know what the hardest part of an open mic is? It, you know what the hardest open mic is? It's the first. After that, like a New York boyfriend, each one will be slightly less worse. <laughs> All of my poems are about being Asian. Boom. Not one fucking per person has a baby in this room. Poetry is a rite of passage, no matter your level of experience or age, no matter if this is your absolute first time that you've ever read anything on any kind of stage. Poetry is not so much telling, it's longing and praying and asking. It's about stepping up to this mic and confessing and unmasking. Poetry is my purgatory fragile, beautiful, and shy. Poetry is my destroyer and my protection, another holy bead on my necklace of reflection. Poetry is most definitely non-binary. It's where the ceiling and the floor merge into the light. I refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, but God, I have loved sitting here tonight. Poetry, you have saved me, and tonight you've done it again. And yes, the end, like the horizon, is in, in sight. It is time for all of us to stand and wait for the unexpected night. And to those who have yet to read tonight, what you say might be exactly what I need tonight, which is to say, I can't wait to hear you, and I'll probably end up copying from you, too. <laughs>
Wow. And that was the first, too. I've never heard, <laughs> never heard anything like that at the Broken Poets. Yeah, I mean, you've been writing that all night. If you guys haven't seen them over there. Uh, I'm going to have to collect these cards. Uh, wow, it's great stuff. Great stuff, Taylor. Uh, he is the creator of Metaphor Days. And you can take a drop in with him tomorrow <laughs> from 5 to 6 p.m. I'm sure he would love to see you. Uh, I got to say, I was skeptical about Metaphor Dice at first, and then I took him home, and uh, I could not get enough of these fucking things. <laughs> like, you just roll the dice, and you're like, whoa, that's an amazing metaphor. Uh, it really makes you sad about the powers of your own imagination, though. I got to say, I was like, this is better than any metaphor I've ever come up with, and I just it was like the first roll of the dice. Uh, but don't let that stop you from, from buying them. <laughs> Our next reader tonight, I think, is another Yop debuter. If I'm not wrong, give it up for Ella Jackson. Hello. Um, hi. I haven't listened in a very long time, so if I have a breakdown, I'm really sorry, so just be nice to me. Oh, God. Okay. My best friend is pregnant. I no longer have a best friend. It is dramatic, I know, but I'm saying the words so I get used to how they feel. My best friend is pregnant. She was taken in the night by a white man while lying on her back. That same night, I was picking sick out of my hair after downing my 19th shot. I know pregnancy should be a beautiful thing, but I cannot see it as a beautiful thing. I cannot see the crying and the screaming and the shouting as a beautiful thing. I cannot see the late nights and early mornings as a beautiful thing. I cannot see the swollen ankles, swollen hands, swollen stomach as a beautiful thing. I will not label a woman's pain as a beautiful thing. Men say a woman's pain is a beautiful thing. Men say she is glowing when she is covered in sweat. Men say she fills out her clothes, but she always hated her body. Men say she is a creator, but I am a terrible thing to have created. <laughs> My best friend is pregnant and with no place to go. I am not a warm hand in the emergency room. I am not the cold rag against her neck. I am not the soft blanket to swaddle the child in. I am the grit in between the teeth. You cannot crunch down without breaking a tooth. I am the last sip at the bottom of the glass, and in the morning, I'll remind you why you stopped drinking altogether. I am the coldest of winters, the fever you cannot break, and the shiver you cannot shift. My best friend is pregnant, I am happy, and she is happy. But in birth, I take a moment for the death of a woman. I silence the congregation, I silence myself, I will never speak of this again. In birth, a mother, a father, and a baby are born. In birth, everything is new, and everything old is put away into little brown boxes. Beth, when you put me away, please put me somewhere warm. Wow, thank you. Oh, my God. I don't know what's happening in the second half. I, can't, I don't even have any comments. Thank you so much, Ella Jackson. That was incredible. Um, someone else passed me a note. <laughs> and uh, like uh, they were checking if they were skipped. But you haven't been skipped. In fact, you're the very next reader. So give it up for Alyssa Milan. Hello. 
So this is called the Art Gallery. <sighs> I once dated a guy who told me when he checked out women, it was as though he was in an art gallery. At the time, I thought the idea was quite lovely, but now I realize that that's all wrong, at least to me. You see, you may see me as a work of art, but I'm not hanging on a wall to be looked at, bought, and sought for someone else's collection. Please, I live in all directions. I am a living, breathing, feeling free to be me, human being, a soul with a body and a beating heart. Why, yes, I am a work of art. And you, you only get to see one small part. I am not a painting to be hung upon a wall. If I could fly and levitate, why would I want to crawl? I'm moving too fast to be held in just one place. You can't keep me. You just don't have the space. I am stacks of stories and ancient history that will always be mostly mystery to you. This masterpiece was never yours. It cannot belong to you. It is not for sale, for I am to set sail. I am a work of art forever in motion, and I can't be your cup of tea when I'm deeper than the ocean. I become, I become worth much more than diamonds as I age. And as I dance this dance, I need a growing open stage. No matter how you chase me, I cannot be tamed and caged. I am a lioness. I will unleash my gorgeous rage. I am not a painting to be hung upon a wall. No, 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 no structure could contain me at all. And it's no wonder why his ex-girlfriend turned to him in bed and said, you just don't know how to take women seriously. We are heart and soul and bone. You see much more than sex machinery. And how can I truly be seen if you see me as merely part of your scenery? Thank you. Thank you, Alyssa. Let's hear it for shitty New York men. <laughs> it's definitely become the theme of the last few poems. Uh, it reminded me of that line in Taylor's poem. What was that line about the New York boyfriend? It's just uh, uh, less. Oh, it was somebody else's line. What was it? Less worse than the last. <laughs> Very apt. Uh, okay, our next reader of the night, former Yacht Poem of the Year winner, give it up for Arthur Russell. Best poetry room on the whole East Coast of America. And I've never been to the West Coast, so could be the best one in America. Hey, I wanted to tell you, this here that I'm holding in my hand is the red wheelbarrow number 15 that came out last week. But I left home. And um, it's this other group I belong to in New Jersey. And the reason I'm bringing it up now is because it's a great journal and you should buy it. But also, al along with the other reasons, is because Preeti Shah, who's one of our Poem of the Month winners and um, was one of our guest editors this year, 
And so she picked a bunch of people, not surprisingly, from this room to be in it. And they're all in it. So there's Tawanga Leslie, Seth Leeper, Stella Lee, Morgan Boyle, Danielle Gasparo, Preeti Shah has a poem in, and so, so does Michael Cunningham. It's for sale now on lulu.com, and it's got also a section of the Rutherford, New Jersey high school students uh, that we're now using as a farm team for the Red Wheelbarrow, and uh, good prose pieces as well. Enough of that. I, I thought I'd read you a poem while I was here. This is a little short thing. It's strange. Um, all poems should be strange, and this one definitely qualifies. It's called, I Had a Beautiful Vision. Two grasshoppers, square-shaped he square heads in staggered profile, looking off to my left like twins on a postage stamp. And when they faded, hummingbirds in discussion hovered closer to my eyes, and stars whooshed past them, past my eyes, hummingbirds with wings like honey locust leaves, while I sat on the green sofa looking out the French doors to the deck. But when he said, tell no one, I was troubled and looked away. I went to the African violet with its four pale purple flowers surrounded by furry leaves, deeper than a well green leaves, leaves that began to vibrate, tremble, and pulse with a life that had both maker and mission. And I gave them the life of my seeing. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Arthur Russell, New Jersey's finest, along with the Red Wheelbarrow poets. Okay, we're getting close to the end of the main list, and I think we probably have time for a couple off the wait list. Our next reader is Elia Osmanova. Give it up for Elia. Um, so I took a workshop last week with Antoni Lombardi about dreams. And uh, in general, I'm really new to workshops in poetry. <laughs> so this was, um, I don't really know how I feel about this poem. That's why I want to read it. It's called Dreaming. From tears to laughter, from light to darkness, I don't want to be an addict of anything. Thinking or pleasing, not sex, not coffee, just breathing. I wonder when I will no longer be called an alien in this land that is for aliens. Perhaps another 10 years, she replies with a question. My hand is already aching and I haven't even typed a word yet. Yet the rush of it, rush of it all begins in my throat. I am unseen as I watch the clouds move behind me. Who is hiding from who? Unanswered moments are what she cherishes, she says, while seeing her own reflection. 
It is all split of a moment of a blank stare like the sun piercing. I blankly stare, stare for her to clear. Clouds are what is clear. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Beautiful poem. Incidentally, a good advertisement for Anthony Thomas Lombardi, whose <laughs> workshop on that same subject starts on Wednesday. But uh, if you don't want to take that workshop, you can take his dropping class, which is a bi-weekly Wednesday night class, 5 to 6 p.m. Our next reader is another former Yacht Poem of the Month winner. Give it up for Stella Lee. poem is entitled, I Hope Your Flowers Bloom. There are signs, moments where I confuse your breath with the scent of wisteria. Then there was the time when your sweat felt like sap, sticky and slightly sweet. How there are now twigs in the bedroom and the bumps under your skin are actually buds. It's August now. The sun is at its fullest in the sky here in this part of the earth where we live with months of snow and ice and gray and cold. Months where you feel more like hibernation, like your mind has grown old because it is just too cold. But I know you save the sunlight in sleeping deep inside of your body. Working its way through you making its way out in tiny explosions late at night when it's coldest. So take in all the light your body wants. Take in all you need. Feed your branches. Spread your roots. Dig deeper. Reach higher. Remember that light has its way of traveling, leaving marks on your smile, in your hair, in the leaves that are growing beneath your skin, forming buds, trapped in pistols, waiting for the right time to spread. As I shake the covers of our bed, deep yellow and golden rod rain all around me. Pollen sticks to the ground, forms a circle, fills my lungs. In your absentia, I am covered in your scent, soaked in the shroud of you. If I need more, I press my hands to my chest, catch between the exhale the vision I have of you. Arms stretched out, leaves rustling, flowers fully bloomed, branches shaking, reaching for a sky covered by majesty, a ground filled by your roots, a world with you. Thank you. I will never tire of Stella Lee poems. Uh, it's just like majesty every time. 
Okay, uh, we've got time for two readers off this wait list. Um, so apologies in advance if we did not get to you. I might as well say now, tickets for the next YAWP in November, November 14th, go on sale at 9.30 p.m. And uh, if you've come to this one, you know that the reserve spots, they sell out very quickly. So uh, get on your phones at 9.30. <laughs> we should probably be done by then. Our next reader is Julie Hoffman. Give it up for Julie. Thank you. Uh, this is entitled, Should You Fall Behind? We will speak again, my troubled friend, for moments don't die. They just fly and flow through the never-ending sky and surface in our dreams on hot summer nights in the recesses of our mind, drinking up desires like cool crystal waters showering our bodies. We will meet again, my troubled friend, where sun and stone are found against a backdrop of birds, boats, and sky. Life is short and uncertain as you and I both know. You came to me with things to say and do. So exposed were you. Autumn will arrive and you may strive to elude the rush of sights, scents, and sounds that were around on that cloudy, cushioned day and roof-topped night. But winter will warn against not remembering for winter's nights are cold as they crash into our souls and make us yearn to fill the holes in our hearts to heal our lingering desires. We will meet again, my troubled friend, should you fall behind. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So your first time reading for the open mic, yes? Uh, no, it was before. You did? Pre-COVID. Pre 61 local. Yeah. All right, give Julie Hoff another round of applause. <laughs> oh, man, 61 local. Good times at that bar. Um, okay, our last reader of the night is a wonderful student that I've had in my own drop-in class. Give it up for Parrish Finn. This poem is called um, East River, and it's about my coworker, former coworker, but I, I don't think she knows. <laughs> her black hair hides her coat-covered shoulders and arm-buried head, and it grows in its unchangeable direction around the eye of the hurricane, a tiny point in the center of her scalp where the winter sun might put its thumb on the only bare part of her. At her feet, sparrows pulse, fist-sized, like beating hearts, looking for crumbs, looking for bugs, playing in the trash and the rocks. 
In her backpack, a ham sandwich and a can of Coke and pictures of her children in Mexico, pictures without their crazy father, pictures of their chickens and pictures of her mother, warm in the sun and wait for her. Before her, between the steel and concrete mess, where the buildings are hollow and tall, desperate and crying for sky, unknowing how they arrived, the river sinks deep into the land and moves slowly. I need that list. There, she took the list. <laughs> no, no, that's your poem, I think. I just need, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Give it up for Parrish Finn. Wait, wait, pass this back to her. <laughs> that's a beautiful poem. Um... I realize I'm hungry too. When you said ham sandwich, I was like, man, I could use one of those right now. When you do events like this, you, you never eat dinner. So like I go, I'm gonna be eating hot hot dogs in the Metro North at 10 p.m. <laughs> which is not terrible, I'll, I'll say that. Especially when your wife is vegan. <laughs> it's my vacation. <laughs> okay, wow, that was an amazing. It is going to be on the yacht. She doesn't listen to it. She doesn't listen to it. It's fine. <laughs> she probably has not rated it at all. Um, okay, wow, what an amazing open mic. Let's give a round of applause again for all these readers tonight. Uh, just remarkable work. Yeah, uh, man, I mean, every month at the, the yacht, I'm, I'm amazed, but uh, this is a special one. Okay, so it's gonna be hard to vote, uh, but again, uh, vote you, I mean, you don't have to vote, but I was gonna say vote you must, but uh, vote you can. <laughs> and the number to vote is 718-374-1953. And uh, you can just give me the poet's name. I'm gonna go back from uh, reverse order, from the last reader to the first. And uh, you can just, if you don't know how to spell their name, just approximate it as best you can. Uh, I've never had an issue figuring out who someone had to vote for in nine years of doing this. So I think you'll be good. Again, 718-374-1953. Yeah, you should probably silence that ringer, Matthew, because people are already voting. <laughs> uh, the last reader we heard from was Parrish Finn. Before that was Julie Hoffman. Before Julie, we had Stella Lee. Elia Osmanova, uh, Arthur Russell, Alyssa Milan, Ella Jackson, Taylor Molly. Before Taylor, Ashley Frankel, Nico Bryan. Gonna silence, gonna silence that ringer? <laughs> oh, that was on the computer. Uh, I think I was at Nico Bryan, yes. Before Nico was Kimberly Marrero. Before Kimberly, Michael Cohen, Hunter Hodkinson. I'm get, you're, oh, right, but you, you were out of, out of order. But, yeah, so let's just say Jess Gagne there. <laughs> I had you number five, but you read later. That's true. Jess Gagne, Kimberly Marrero, Michael Cohen, Hunter Hodkinson, Sarah Lynn Rogers, Emerald Rose Anastasia, Lily Perry, Seth Leeper, Tierra, and Kiara, Kiara DeLalo. That's all the way back to the beginning. Okay, and by the way, if you read for the open mic and you happened to purchase a ticket at the door and you didn't give us your email, 
Uh, you should probably do that just in case you win because there's no way I can contact you if we don't have your email. If you purchased your ticket in advance, we have your info, you're good, but if you purchased your ticket at the door tonight and read, uh, you should definitely come up here and put your email address on here so Matthew can get it. Um, okay, uh, we are almost done. Again, 718-374-1953. Um, this is the second to last spot that is available for our Poem of the Year contest again. November 14th is our next YOP that will be led by Marina Weiss, another one of our new teachers. If you don't know, she is leading a, uh, a two-session workshop on trauma and recovery. It's a really intense workshop. Uh, I think there's a couple of seats left. We thought it was sold out, but a couple people withdrew for, for emergency reasons, so there's still two spots left in that. That starts pretty soon. I don't know the dates, but uh, look at brooklynpoets.org. In any case, she will be here November 14th to lead a workshop at the YOP and to be our featured reader. Uh, again, tickets for that go on sale in about 15 minutes. If you want to get one of the 10 reserved spots, those tickets go really fast. I, I encourage you to buy that ticket tonight. Uh, again, if there's any confusion about ticketing, I'm going to try to explain it again to make it as clear as possible. There are 10 reserved spots, and we do that to save 10 for people to sign up at the door. Uh, we wish we could have the open mic go on forever, but I mean, maybe we don't wish that, uh, but we can't, right? I mean, the event can only go on so long, otherwise my wife will kill me, and uh, we'll all be tired. Um, but we have 10 reserved spots, 10 to sign up at the door. If you get one of those first 10 reserved open mic spots, that's what the ticket says. You don't have to sign up at the door. You can come whenever you want. Every other ticket, if you want to read, you have to sign up at the door. Doors open at 6 p.m. Uh, we encourage you to come early because the open mic list fills quickly. And every month so far that we've been doing it since we've reopened has sold out. So I wouldn't wait to get your tickets. Uh, a couple more announcements, just a couple reminders. Um, one thing I didn't mention is a virtual event happening uh, this Sunday. Sunday, October 16th is our next craft lab with the U.S. Poet Laureate Ada Lamone whom you may have heard of. Yeah, she is uh, insanely fucking popular. <laughs> it is great. It's the first time we've sold over 100 tickets for that craft lab. I think she sold like 105 tickets already. So the beauty of the craft lab, though, there is no limit to capacity. Uh, so you're not in danger of not getting a ticket if you want one, but uh, you should register before Sunday at 5 p.m. That's when it begins. I mentioned earlier Irene Vasquez, a former Brooklyn Poets Fellow, has a chapbook lunch happening here. Uh, this Saturday, so check out our Instagram for info about that because it is not on our website. That's uh, a subleased event. She rented the space out for that. Next Friday after that, October 21st, is our next open mic, the Friday Night Open that features Stephanie New and JC Rodriguez. But before that, we have an open mic, slightly different format, as I mentioned. Uh, you get up to a five-minute set. You can read multiple poems. I think the reserve spots for that have been purchased already. There's only five reserve spots for that because they get five minutes. But again, you can sign up at the door. I think only 23 tickets have been sold for that, so there's plenty of tickets left. And you can come read on a Friday night, and you don't have to wake up on a Tuesday morning after you read. And last but not least, Kimberly, Kimberly Nguyen's book launch, October 22nd, is a Saturday. We'll be back here for that. Um, Okay, that is all. Uh, I bid you good night. Thanks for coming. Check out the Yopcast. Give yourselves a round of applause. We love you. And uh, we'll see you in November.
There you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for October 10th. Thanks to my sometimes doppelganger, Kyle Lee Hung, for leading an incredible workshop and uh, kicking off the open mic. I've known Kyle a long time now, he's a former student of mine at Quinnipiac University and uh, has since become uh, a poet's faculty member. He's taught uh, not only this yacht, but couple of single session workshops well in fact one is starting tomorrow night this is october 31st halloween that i'm recording it um, but kyle taught a single session on submitting poems for publication earlier this fall at 144 montague and is teaching an online section of it uh tomorrow tuesday so uh thanks to him for doing that great work congrats to yop debuter lily perry for winning yop poem of the month for october for her incredible poem, Ode to Seventh Grade, which uh, pretty much floored everyone in the room when she read it, including me. Uh, Lily has claimed the penultimate spot in the Poem of the Year lineup for 2022. There's only one spot left, which will be decided on November 14th, which incidentally is the date of the next YAP. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, you can do so on Eventbrite. Uh, that yop will be led by Taylor Molly, who uh, you may remember if you listen to this whole recording from the open mic for October 10th. Taylor is a well-known spoken word poet. Uh, you may remember him if you're old enough from uh, HBO Def Jam Poetry Days. Uh, and he has got this uh, new, I don't know if it's not a toy, but he's got a new poetry, it's kind of a poetry toy, poetry game called Metaphor Dice, and he's been leading a drop-in class on Tuesdays, uh, in which people roll the dice and use that as a way to generate metaphor and generate poems. So he's going to be leading a Yop workshop involving Metaphor Dice, it's going to be really good. Uh, we had thought Marina Weiss was going to lead this workshop, but uh, she is unable to now due to circumstances uh, out of her control, but uh, hopefully Marina will lead one at a later date uh, in 2023, most likely. Uh, but Taylor Molly uh, is going to lead the November 14th Yop, and we're in good hands there. Again, to learn more about the Yop and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. Got a lot of good things coming up at Brooklyn Poets. Before the Yop, we've got Brooklyn Poets Reading Series on November 4th. That's this Friday, featuring Luther Hughes coming from Seattle. Lynn Melnick representing the borough of Brooklyn and Carl Phillips, very excited about this, coming from St. Louis. That is a star-studded lineup and that event is free and open to the public, so you should come out for that or join us on Zoom for the live stream. And before the Yop, we have another Friday night open on November 11th, so that is technically our next open mic before the Yop. That will feature Stella Lee and Robert Gibbons who are both Yop legends at this point, if you have been attending the Yop or listening in. So uh, come out for that if you can. Still plenty of tickets for the Friday Night Open. Still tickets left for the Yop as well, although the reserve spots for both events are taken already, as usually happens within a day. Uh, thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us five stars. It helps more listeners find these poets and their poems. Uh, and that is all I've got. We will catch you in November. Thanks again for listening. Take care.